Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I'm incredibly excited to catch up with our guest today, an absolute showstopper on the tennis court, and one of the funniest personalities I've come across. Jack has a lengthy list of accomplishments, and if I were to say them all, we would literally be here all day, but he's been ranked as high as number eight in the world in singles, and number two in doubles, an Olympic gold and bronze medalist, and has racked up 20 total titles so far in his career, five being Grand Slams. Jack has also overcome a number of obstacles, and we're going to get into all of it today. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I am good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for the kind words at the beginning. I appreciate that. But um, <laughs> no, I, could, I could say the same. You are one of the nicest, most genuine people um, I've come across on tour, and uh, we had an awesome time being partners down in uh, Hotman and stuff, so um, I uh, I hope tennis resumes soon, and I hope we'll all be able to uh, meet up and cross paths again here soon. That'll be fun. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I hope so. Life has definitely felt like a movie the last couple months. Um, I've got to start with your engagement last December. Firstly, a huge congratulations to you and Laura. That is just so incredibly exciting. I imagine the wedding planning has been a little bit of an adventure given the pandemic. How have things unfolded and what's the update with that? Yeah, it's, um, I would say it's definitely the, uh, probably the most unusual time to plan a wedding. We are, uh, well, thank you for the congratulations, first of all. But we are, um, I mean, yeah, we're going through with with all the obviously necessary steps, and and I'm glad we, I'm glad that we had a, a tennis off season, I guess, planned wedding for December. Uh, I think it'll give us the best uh, chance and opportunity to to have the wedding this year, kind of with everything going on. Um, yeah, we're 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 planning it all. We're we're um, finishing the save the dates. Don't judge us. Um, but we're sending those <laughs> out here. In the next few days and then um yeah and then thought so we went down and saw our venue actually we drove over to um south carolina we're gonna have it uh just outside charleston and, and uh, we went over drove over and saw i saw it for the first time laura had already been um obviously to approve everything and uh we fell in love with it and and we're very excited about it just really hoping that large gatherings and everything are uh will be a will be a go and will be okay um come december so yeah, fingers crossed everything goes well. I mean, definitely a very strange time, but sounds like your free time has been a lot more productive than mine. All I've been doing is making banana bread, <laughs> most of which have been total disasters. So definitely sounds like you're being productive. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying. Um, I'm sure your, your banana bread would be way better than mine. I have no idea what I'm doing in a kitchen. but um... <laughs> Are you a banana bread guy? Uh, I'm not opposed to it at all. I, I like a good loaf of banana bread. 
<laughs> Never hurts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just uh, weird times for sure. So there's a lot I want to get into today, but first, uh, we're going to give my sideliners a song of the week, and I'm going to go on record here to say that my previous two guests gave me songs I didn't even recognize, so let's hope third time's a charm. What song do you have for us this week? I have one uh, that actually, as being a, a huge country fan, so I'm not sure if that's in your realm of music, if you're a fan <laughs> of it, but um, so Kane Brown just came out with a song, uh, actually in the last couple of days, called Worldwide Beautiful. That kind of speaks to everything going on right now. I, I think it's one of the better songs that I've, I've ever heard. So that's been kind of on repeat the last the last few days for sure. All right, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. Can't say I've heard of it, but looking forward to checking it out. <laughs> you're missing every color if you're only seeing black and white. Tell me how you're gonna change your mind if your heart's on. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. I want to go all the way back to your high school days because I feel like the stat is kind of incredible. You played four seasons on your high school tennis team amidst your already growing success on the junior and professional level and finished with an 80-0 record. I think it's safe to say you've secured that for a very long time. At a certain point, did you have people asking why you were even still on the team? Um. Uh, not uh, not necessarily asking why I'm still on the team. I think um, I, I wanted to do it. I mean, my brother, I was, got to play with my brother for two years, which was the main thing. Um, I was able to, you know, kind of do my part and help out, you know, the school and the team and stuff. I had a couple other friends on the team that were at the academy um, that I grew up playing at in Kansas City. So it was more of like a family-type feeling with my brother. I had some really good friends on the team and something I just wanted to do. Um, I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be a lot of fun and end up being a lot of fun. I was able to start a little later kind of in the season, um, cause I was still playing some tournaments outside of that. And obviously once you start playing the high school season, you're not allowed to, to play any like national tournaments or anything. So, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to be there, you know, with the guys and, and for the guys and see if we could, you know, uh, do well and bring some state championships back to the school and. I honestly had a blast of it. It was, it was, uh, yeah, some of the best times of high school for me, for sure. Yeah, I imagine you were somewhat of a hero there at that time. That's an absolutely unbelievable stat. Um, in 2010, you won the boys' 18s nationals to earn a wild card into the U.S. Open main draw. From my own experience, I know how overwhelming that can be to enter the big leagues. At a pretty young age, you were just 16 at the time and faced Marco Chudinelli in the first round. What was that moment like? It was, um, yeah, I mean, a little, I mean, overwhelming um, in the sense of like kind of just, I guess, being there with, you know, with that, like being in the locker room and 
yeah, being the little, you know, little teenager in there with all these guys that are, you know, so well established on tour and everything. And, uh, I've been playing for so many years. Um, and I, I, um, didn't really probably have a lot of expectations going in, um, obviously, but I, uh, went out and I actually had a blast, played one good set out of four. So, um, I'll take that <laughs> my first time around, but yeah, the rest of it, I got pretty, uh, I got pretty routine. I feel like that match, but I had one good set in there. <laughs> That's all we really need for the first time. Um, I mean, you kind of started taking off after that, too. The following year, you captured your mixed doubles U.S. Open title with Melanie Dan. I remember watching those matches all the way up to the championship and just being completely stunned the entire time, as I'm sure were the millions of people watching. How special was it to have your first Grand Slam under your belt in such a special way? Um, I think I think I was just as uh, stunned and shocked as you were probably. Uh, we were, uh, and I think we were down match point in our first round, um, and and we were good friends. We went out, had you know, we were it was kind of fun on court, joking around, um, obviously taking it serious, but not again, not a lot of expectation. And yeah, I think we played on, on court four there, our first one or something, court five, and we were down match point and ended up saving that match point, and then had to face um the very intimidating bob bryan and Liesel huber at the time and uh i think we lost the first set in about four minutes and then so somehow able to turn it around and i think that was kind of the turning point for us after we somehow got through that match with you know not not a lot of uh i feel like not a lot of hope for us in that match we got through it and then from there it was like all right you know kind of play with house money and um let's see what we can do here and then yeah just kind of kept going and going and then uh we played we played a great finals and um yeah that was, was just crazy honestly it was, the whole thing was the whole thing was just nuts yeah it was unbelievable and obviously melanie at the time too i'm not sure if it was that specific year but the whole buzz around her believe and all that stuff too and it was just like these two young kids just being absolutely incredible on tv it was so fun to watch and I was just thinking about this when I was doing some of my research. Have you ever been on a talk show? I was confused. I didn't find anything when I was looking you up. <laughs> a talk show? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Um, oh my God! We need to call Jimmy Fallon. What is happening? How are you not on a talk show? I don't know. I think that that's one of my. Uh, that's definitely one of my bucket list. I love love Jimmy Fallon. I think I'd. I think I'd have a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, I think personality would, would suit it pretty well. So I think, uh, yeah, if you got the connections there, uh, feel free to hook it up. That'd be a blast. <laughs> I mean, I would I would email Jay Leno real quick, but I was like, he's not there anymore. How have I been on a talk show, but not you? This is a scandal. <laughs> We're going to figure this out. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> So your career really took off over the next couple of years. You finished inside the top 50 in 2014 and had your first top 10 win against Kane and Shikori. You were still only 20, 21 years old at that point, And I can imagine the growing success was accompanied by some new challenges and pressures. Did you ever feel a little bit of a burden of expectations from yourself or maybe some from your team? Uh, you know, not not really. No, I mean, uh, I think everyone has you know their personal you know they put personal pressure on themselves you know to a degree, and and everyone's probably extent and level of that is different, um, and everyone deals with that differently. I think uh, I think it was it was it was kind of nice. It was kind of a blessing that um, 
I think we had a lot of good Americans and, and guys my age kind of internationally that were, you know, having some success on tour pretty early on. Um, so it wasn't kind of all necessarily based around one guy, myself, or any any of the other guys kind of my age, that, that 92 year. Um, we were all we were all doing, you know, pretty well there, kind of establishing, you know, our, our names a little bit and, and getting some wins. So um, it was nice in the sense that I was kind of one of one of uh, you know one of a bunch of guys that were kind of coming up at that time. But um, yeah, I think personally, you always you always it's also a little competitive. I think personally, you always want to maybe be the leader of that pack, or you want to try to break away from that pack a little bit. And um, I was just happy with kind of the steady progress I made over all the years, you know, starting on tour, I think my ranking always, I've always finished the year, you know, higher than I was the year before and made some good jumps in there as well. So, um, but not, no, not, not for my team or anything. And, um, you know, maybe from the media a little bit and then, you know, your own personal pressures. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you say, it's some of that is a little bit inevitable. I think to have a good team that just kind of distances those pressures, I think that's obviously so helpful for any player on tour. I want to live vicariously through you for a second. You competed in the Rio Olympic Games where you won a gold medal in mixed doubles and a bronze medal in regular doubles. The, wait, that sounds really weird to say. But just what just doubles. And you subsequently became the only American at the Olympics to earn multiple medals. Most of us will never know what that feels like, but luckily we can get an inside scoop. Tell us a little bit about that. That, yeah, that was uh, that was surreal for sure. Um, and that'll, that'll definitely forever be one of my one of my top tennis highlights and career highlights. Um, I think again, I mean, I, I go back to the without many expectations. I think because um, I went down, I went and saw my doctor at home right before uh, the trip because I was not feeling well at all, and um, I actually was told I had a walking case of walking pneumonia before I went down, and uh, I said. I, I you know unless I you know physically can't like move or play or something then then I, I'm going down and I just want to experience it so my singles definitely didn't go very well I wasn't feeling too good um, having to run around all by myself out there but um, uh, the mixed doubles and the doubles was just I don't even I really don't even know how to describe it we again I played with you know Bethany who who's a big personality as well and, and we were definitely having uh, you know a great time on the court and laughing and joking around as well. And, and Stevie and I had played together before. I think we complement each other well um, as a double team. And, and again, it was uh, like once you get through maybe that first or second round and you, and you, you know, get some confidence or you, know, you get the feel of, of playing with, you know, your partner and stuff, then we kind of ran with it a little bit. And um, yeah, it was, I think the, the mixed doubles final was cool because no matter what, an American team was going to come away with the, with the gold medal, but to be the one standing mm -hmm. on that podium to hear the national anthem and to have them, you know, put that medal around your neck and everything was just, I don't know. It was, it was just incredibly surreal and, and, um, experience I definitely I'll never forget. And, uh, I, I look back at those pictures even, even today sometimes and just, you gotta smile and, and, and enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. And it's just unbelievable. You know, you were on the podium twice and, I imagine your trophy case is pretty massive at this point. Where do you have those medals displayed? Um, they are in Kansas City, without disclosing the exact location. Um, <laughs> they are uh, they're in Kansas City in, uh, in a safe place for sure. Okay, we love that. <laughs> so we got to play together at the Hotman Cup ages ago to represent Team USA. 
And honestly, happy to admit this now, I had an unbelievable amount of anxiety that entire trip for a couple reasons. First, I think Serena Williams was the intended female representative, but I somehow got called to fill her shoes. And on top of that, I had only a handful of matches under my belt at that particular time. And I just want to say, Jack, your back must have been hurting from carrying our mixed doubles literally the entire time. But I feel like it was a pretty fun event overall. What do you think? Um, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, you know, obviously I, when the, you know, the tournament directors were reached out and um, they had been hyping up, you know, having, I mean, obviously Serena Williams is, is um, one of the biggest names in tennis that you could have at an event. So, you know, that, for me, that was that was the anxiety. For me, was probably from from that and and, and uh, not wanting to let her down or do you know do my own part. And um, I know she was very uh, excited to to win that event. I don't know if she had not won it before or something. I think she she maybe told she maybe told me she hadn't won it before and it was one of the things she really wanted to win. So um, that adds a little extra pressure. Um, but honestly, I mean, I, I don't know. I've obviously I've never played mixed with her or. You know, been a, a partner of hers um, on court. So, um, but honestly, yeah, when when she you know, had to pull out of the event and then we got out there, I thought we had the best time on on the court. <laughs> I thought we were we were we were joking around. You know, it was it was um, honestly it was one of the more, more fun weeks I think you know we've had on tour. And um, I think we played well because of it. I think the crowd I think the crowd was loving us, which was great. Um, mm-hmm. Even though we weren't Aussie, I feel like we were some of their favorites. Um, just from you know the the joy we were having out there, so I've, I I'll never forget that week, and um, hopefully you know at some point again there's another opportunity and we can uh, we can go out and win it. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. It's a week I'll never forget. Visiting the zoo was a pretty fun time too, so can't forget about that. <laughs> but you reached um, number 22 in the rankings in 2016, and you became the number one ranked American player in the world. I've always wondered if that was in some ways a competition amongst your peers, because we often hear so-and-so is the number one or number two ranked American. Is that something you've actively thought about throughout your career? Um, you know what? I think probably some people won't believe uh, when I say this, but I think when I in that that year that i that i kind of i took that spot for the first time uh i literally didn't even i i didn't know that was really such a thing i don't think i obviously i hadn't been in that position before or even talked about it with people but um and even when you know i, I officially took that spot i wasn't like i was like right away i was like oh my gosh i you know i should be you know got the number one american spot i found out on social media and then like it kind of hit i was like oh wow that's that's pretty cool but i realized kind of the um the the value of it or like the uh it's there's like it's definitely like a, a yeah a, a cool history of that and you kind of join a list with some other um for me some other guys that have been there and um yeah it was so i think from then on it was yeah it was cool and it was kind of a competitive thing from there trying to you know hold on to it or you know if you lose it for a certain amount of weeks trying to get it back but you know the first time it happened i didn't really even know that that was a thing and and i found out through social media rather than like myself or my team or anybody i kind of love that just cruising to the number one spot and you're like oh wow really (laughs) okay Um, (laughs) so you kept your foot on the gas and reached your career high ranking of number eight in november of 2017 which is absolutely incredible 
I imagine you felt on top of the world at that point, and your career took a turn, an unexpected turn the following years. I imagine several different factors played into it, but what kind of toll does that take to go from where you were in November to a somewhat unfamiliar territory of a couple of consecutive losses? Yeah, it was um, definitely the kind of the high of highs to the ultimate low of lows. Um, I, yeah, I mean, finished finished that year, you know, in you know, an incredible way, and and again, in kind of an unexpected way, especially in in that um, Paris tournament being down five one and a third the first set to turning around to to win and and um, reach that career high ranking and make London in singles and. All that to um, to not winning, well, maybe I won five matches next year, if that, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. without without any injuries, which is tough to do. Um, and then obviously last year was just a, basically an entire year filled of, of uh, injuries, unfortunately. But um, I, I don't know. I think you just gotta take it um, kind of as is. I don't. I think um, definitely for a little while you're you're very down and out, and you're um, you know. Um, upset with yourself and you want to blame other people and make excuses and um, but ultimately it, it kind of is what it is and you have to make the most of it and um, I think the the 2018 year following 2017 was you know it wasn't you know probably a proper off season for me you know, I finished late with London and never experienced you know only having a very short amount of time to turn around and then be in Australia and now you kind of have this target on your back with being a top 10 player and everybody wants, you know, that win. And, um, and then 2019, there's just a ton of injuries was, I think personally, or for, uh, for tennis wise was, was, you know, after 2018 and then getting injured, it just seemed like it could really get much worse. And then, um, I think it was just kind of a, a blessing and, and, um, you know, aside from God a little bit that, you know, Laura and I had you know connected and then we were able to spend all this time together last year. So, think in my personal life and to be planning a wedding now probably wouldn't be probably wouldn't be quite at this point you know together and in our relationship had I not been injured had you know we had six months to that full year of, of all this time together and um and being able to build our foundation and um and relationship and uh so I'm very thankful for that um but tennis wise obviously it was uh it was very difficult to deal with all that but um i'm feeling good now uh, i'm really excited to get back to play for sure um i had a, you know a good start to this year when, when we did get to play and uh, i just feel like a lot of things are, are kind of moving in the right direction again and and um yeah it's just it's kind of life you just have to deal with it you know how it comes i guess that was a very long yeah, and I think... no you're totally fine this whole thing is about you so please <laughs> And I think, you know, obviously going back to you talking about faith, I think that's something that I can personally relate to as well, which is a beautiful thing, you know, in a time of such uncertainty. And you go from where you were to kind of life turning around in a split moment, you know. And I think for you, someone, I mean, I don't know you totally in and out, but I can tell that you're someone who has a lot of spirit and a lot of energy and I'm sure, you know, once you realize that took a hit and you were able to rely on your faith, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think I can speak for everyone when I say that uh, I absolutely can't wait to see you work your way back to peak performance and totally rooting for you all the way. Um, I want to talk about the Delray Open this year because you snapped a streak of losses at the tour level with your win over Radu Alba <laughs> in three sets. 
And I watched that match on TV, and everyone could clearly see how much that moment meant to you. What was going through your mind as you sat on the chair, completely overwhelmed with tears? Um, yeah, well, thank you for the kind words before that. I am uh, I'm excited to, to get back, and I'm excited to see you come back as well and, 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 uh, and kill it again. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, man, Delray, I think I, I did not obviously expect or plan that at all um, by any means. I think that's what the raw emotion came from, and um, – I think, I don't know, a lot went into it. I mean, it was basically 18 months, you know, almost two years even, of just, you know, a, a downward trend and, and negative, you know, results and thoughts, you know, a lot of the time and, um, you know, negative thoughts towards tennis in general. You know, the year before you're injured and things haven't gone well, your ranking is literally going to not applicable. And uh, so, yeah, I think it was, it was finally – I think people started doubting. I started doubting myself a little bit, and then to go out and and finally get that first win again um, felt, you know, almost like your first win on tour back when back when you're younger. And I think it was uh, a different emotion because now, you know, like I said, the, the personal life and everything, I was able to look up and see, you know, my fiance and 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 you know she's sitting there and and, and you know I look up and I'm getting emotional, then she's getting emotional, and then. You know, I just started working with Alex Bogomolov, who's here in Charlotte, and we've formed this incredible bond, I feel like, and, and um, you know, kind of team feeling. And that he started getting emotional, and then it was just a, it was just a, a complete roller coaster of emotions from there. I was happy, and I was crying out of happiness and, and joy, and I don't know, I, I, I'm not much of a uh, crier normally, so that was definitely a, a very emotional moment and um yeah obviously more just happiness and joy um than anything so i don't really know how, yeah, how to describe it awesome. just, just how it happened yeah that's awesome so at at that stage when you're playing right now are you completely pain-free or are you still kind of overcoming some of that from your surgery uh no i'm i'm, I'm definitely pain-free um my you know my thumb is is still uh it's still you know probably it, it'll always the right thumb will always be a little stiffer and um, not as much movement uh, and mobility in it than you know the left or a normal thumb I guess but uh yeah pain free which is which is all that matters for me okay that's awesome and I couldn't possibly go through this interview without asking about a day in your life quarantine edition I know some things are recently opening up but have you been training and playing every day um I th yeah, I mean, I think staying active. Um, I think we've we've done um, you know a good job of, of staying active. We uh, we have our dog, which which definitely keeps us outside a lot. So we you know we usually start with walking with walking him for a while, and then um, we've gotten uh, you know a good routine down of you know for a while there of a lot of out, outside workouts and like I said, kind of doing what you can with you know going for runs, um, you know doing different you know drills you'll set up i mean set up cones maybe and do some uh different tennis movements and drills and um a lot of you know push-ups some abs and core and and uh, if you can snag a medicine ball from somewhere and, and do some stuff like that um but yeah it's usually a lot just a lot of time spent outside uh, i've gotten to play a good amount of golf which is awesome um and I've, you know, I've practiced a, a decent amount, but actually starting up finally with the courts and everything being open, starting a, a full full training um, tennis-wise every single day starting tomorrow. And um, we'll be on the court with Bogey kind of leading into um, 
you know, some stuff hopefully starting up here soon. And, um, yeah, so I see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. I'm always curious. I've talked to some of my other friends about this. It's just kind of hard, obviously, when we're in a position where we're training, but we're not really sure exactly what we're training for yet because things are still pretty uncertain. Um, I kind of felt like in the beginning of quarantine, I was so motivated and I was like working out sometimes even twice a day. I was like, who is she? And now I've just kind of been like slowly dwindling down. But do you think that tournaments will actually happen this year i mean i it's just kind of such a weird time i know um i i feel the same there i think um i think it's, when you've been on we think when you've been on tour for you know longer than i think i think some of the some of the young you know some of the young guns you know been out there for only a couple of years i think it's, it's it's very easy just to stay you know incredibly motivated and um you know you could be you never know in March when everything is canceled, we could have been a, you know, a year out from tournaments or four months out from tournaments or whatever. And, um, but I think when you're, you know, your body has kind of gone through a lot, which uh, I think we both can speak, you know, speak through and, um, you know, to a degree you want to like rest your body, you know, a little bit or have the, you know, cause when, when full training starts back up, obviously we, we put our bodies through a lot of distress and, 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 um, you know, you, you break them down pretty good. So, I think there's a good balance in, in the quarantine of training and, you know, allowing your body to, to be healthy and ready, you know, for when the entire season and training starts up again. But um, I really have no idea. I, I didn't have, uh, I didn't have the most belief in, in playing a lot this year, um, if at all, but it seems like maybe the trend is, you know, things that seem like things are maybe opening up a little bit. I think tennis is tough with the international presence for sure. Um, and having guys and girls fly in from all over the world and, and, um, still with travel restrictions and quarantine rules when you go to a different country and all that. So I, I'm not sure. It seems like it's a tough task, uh, when you take every, you know, element involved with tennis. Um, and, and like I said, with the international presence, I think it's, uh, it seems tough, but then you never know. I mean, I think ATP and the WTA are, are smart, and they've obviously been thinking about this for a long time. So I really don't know. I, I, I couldn't even say one way or another. Yeah, I guess only time will tell. It'll just probably be very strange to be playing without a crowd, too, which, you know, I don't think they would want to do for the sake of revenue and all of that. But I guess we'll have to find out. I want to end this episode by quizzing you on a few of your own stats, and I'll be happy to provide hints. Yes, 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 yes. I'll be happy to provide hints along the way if you're completely stuck. Um, so these are career stats, and I'm going to give you three. So here we go. The first one is how many aces have you hit? Whoa, in my career? Yep. If you okay, so I'll give you I'll give you a range. It's between fifteen hundred and two thousand. Oh man, let's go with uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lowball myself. I think I'm gonna go sixteen hundred and forty-seven. Nope, nineteen hundred and nine. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm confident in yourself. Come on, Jack. <laughs> So, what percentage of first serve games have you won between seventy and ninety percent? What percentage of first serve games have I won? Sorry, not first serve. Percentage of serve games. Yeah. Okay. 
have I won? What was the per- What was your range? Between seventy and ninety percent. Eighty-one. Got it. Eighty-two. Oh my god. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wasn't even gonna think. I just went as quick as possible to go to gut. <laughs> so close. Let's see if you can get this last one. This is where I was getting my words mixed up. What percentage of first serve points have you won in your career? And it and I'll give you, uh, let's see what this range will be. I'll do sixty to eighty percent. Dang, that's not the greatest range for first serve points. I feel like seventy three percent locked in. Finally, seventy four. Ah! Oh no! Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, though, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. (laughs) Wow, that's probably better than I could have ever done. So good for you. You're almost there. You're 1% off. You got that. I know. Well, I think the range (laughs) helped. Thank you. (laughs) We're cheating a little bit, but that's okay. (laughs) Well, Sideliners, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. In the midst of everything going on, I just want to briefly say... Let's not be afraid to look inward for a second and make it a priority to love, to understand, to listen, and to be helpful. I hope today's episode provided some smiles and perhaps a welcome distraction. Jack, you've been an absolute treat. Thank you so much for doing this today. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you for having me. Um, I hope the, uh, the, the podcast keeps going really well. Uh, that was super fun, and obviously it's always Always nice to do something with tennis with everything going on right now and and stay involved. So thank you for having me. No, of course. And thank you for your perspective. With all that being said, stay safe out there and I'll catch you next week. Bye. Uh, See you guys.